Let's give our attention to 2 Samuel chapter 7. It says this, When your days are complete, and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your descendant after you, who will come forth from you, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be a father to him, and he will be a son to me. Lots of Christmas songs speak of Jesus being king. Joy to the world, the Lord is born. Let earth receive her king. But let me ask this, is, is Jesus the earth's king? I mean, if you think of it, you want to think of it in terms of the right that he has to be the ruler, don't you? But if you think of it practically, what are we forced to say? Well, there aren't too many people bowing their knee to him as king, right? Practically speaking, it doesn't look like it, does it? What does that mean, that he would be the earth's king? Does the earth need a king? And, and, and after all, what's a king for, right? Well, he rules, he leads, he guides, he has a kingdom. But is this earth Jesus's kingdom? It would be hard-pressed for us to prove, again, from a practical standpoint, that he is. God did promise to send a king, just like in 1 Samuel People always want to be led by a strong, smart leader. People want protection. But it also tells us another thing. We know that we're easily led astray, aren't we? And so therefore we need a leader who will lead us in the right way. Isaiah 53 says we're like sheep who go their own way without a leader. You know Israel was no different during Jesus' day. Brand, uh, Mr. Phillips had, had just uh, earlier shared about Jesus being the prophet. I want to share with you about Jesus being the king. John 6. John 6 tells us that people would want to seek Jesus to be their own kind of king, their own way. Tells us that the people were looking for a leader. Listen to this in John 6, 14. When the people saw the sign which he, that is Jesus, had performed, that is the feeding of 5,000 men, remember that? It says, they said, this is truly the prophet. Deuteronomy 18, right? Who is to come into the world. So what did they do? Well, Jesus, perceiving that they were intending to come and take him by force to make him king, he then withdrew again to the mountain by himself alone, was not going to entrust himself to them because he knew their hearts and he knew their motives. And so here they are. Notice the connection. They say, this is the prophet. Let's make him king. They understood that the Messiah was going to come to be the king. So they didn't have a problem with thinking about Jesus being the king. Just like so many today have no problem singing joy to the world, let earth receive her king. No problem with that. Why? 
they wanted one. Micah 5.2 said when Jesus came, he would be one. What's the problem? Well, they wanted him to be a king according to their own desires. That's the problem, isn't it? And that's the problem today with people in their view of Jesus. They don't have a problem. I don't have a problem with you talking about Jesus. Go ahead. People say today, it's just the way you talk about him. Let it be that I can believe about Jesus whatever I want to believe about Jesus. 1,000 years before Jesus came, the Lord told David of a future king. David didn't know that that king would be Jesus. So what kind of king was promised? First of all, a Davidic one. A Davidic one. He says here in 2 Samuel 7:12, when your days are complete and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your descendant after you who will come forth from you. David wants to build God a house for his glory. That's the context. But God says, no, no, I don't want you to do that. You're not the man to do that. Eventually it would be his son. And then in fact, actually, this here is a prophecy really about his own son. But it's also a prophecy of the coming Christ, isn't it? David was a great king. God called David a man after God's own heart. And you read the Psalms and you see that he had a passion for God's glory, a love for his word, constantly worshiping God. So there's no problem when you say that David was a great man and even no problem when you consider that Jesus would come like David. So here's what the Lord tells David. When your days are complete and you lie down with your fathers. In other words, when you're dead, I'm going to raise up your descendant after you who will come forth from you. In other words, the coming king will be a king in David's line and he'll be like David. Not only like Moses, but like David. What a king. What a person. Luke 1.32 confirms that's exactly what Jesus was. He will be great, it says there. And, he, and he, will be, he will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. See? There it is. It could only be Jesus. Jesus would be someone who could establish David's kingdom for good. So why did Jesus resist the people's attempt to make him king? I mean... After all, he was coming to be great. We see that from Luke 1. What was the issue? Their definition of greatness wasn't God's, was it? And so we need a, a second thing. The definition of greatness. He not only was coming to be a Davidic king, but a humble king. In other words, that defines that word greatness in Luke 1, 32. <laughs> not greatness like the world defines it. But greatness in humble terms. Humility. Listen to Second Samuel 7.13 again. He shall build a house for my name. Who's the he? Again, you would say, well, Solomon, right? Well, it's more than Solomon. By the way, this very verse is quoted in uh, Hebrews 1.5 to refer to Jesus. So we know he's talking about Jesus here. 
he shall build a house for my name. In other words, it's all about God getting the glory. Imagine that, a king who leads for another's glory. It's an odd thing. But this is what our king came like. And when he came, it was, hum it was a humble coming, wasn't it? I mean, he was born into a feeding trough, right? He had poor parents. He was born into an obscure little town. You know the first people to meet him and greet him with this incredible news? Shepherds. You know what shepherds are like? They're the low people. Where's the fanfare? Shepherds. And they were, they were the only ones that got to hear the concert of the angels, right? Shepherds. Common people. Below common people. You read the Gospels and you see that it was all about Jesus elevating God's name. Not my will, Jesus would say, but I, but I say and do the things that I see and hear the Father doing. Seek first his kingdom, Jesus said. So does all this humility take away from him being a strong and powerful king? Thirdly, no, he is a sovereign king. Is it, he's a Davidic king. He's a humble king. But he's also a sovereign one. And that's just what it says here. Listen to verse 12. I will establish his kingdom, the Father says. And then verse 13. I will establish the throne of his kingdom. The throne represents ultimate power, ultimate authority, ultimate say. And we should never forget that during this Christmas time. That the one who we worship, that we sing about is the one who has ultimate authority over our lives. You know, you read Matthew 2, verses 1 through 11, and you know what you see there. Wise men coming to seek the king. Remember how Herod responded? He felt threatened, didn't he? And so do all unbelievers when we speak of Jesus as the king, the one whom you must bow your knee to in total submission, right? You know, that threatens our view. We want a king over us who will give us what we want. But that's not a powerful king. Any king does that and is unwise and ultimately isn't strong who gives you what you want, right? He's weak because he's led by popularity, that kind of king. Not Jesus. Jesus is wise. He's powerful. He's sovereign. But will his power last very long? Well, consider this forethought, that he is an eternal king, it says here. The Lord says here in 2 Samuel 7, I'm going to raise this king up, and he'll be king forever. That's what it says in verse 13. I will establish his kingdom forever. You know, that's interesting, because here is Jesus, and he ascended, and physically you know, he's not here, right? So he said, well, wait a minute. So is he establishing his kingdom? Sure. And one day it will be a literal kingdom on this earth. John 1 tells us that Jesus is God. God came down. It also tells us in verse 3 that Jesus made the whole world. He's eternal. In fact, it really is something that Jesus would come like David, yet he lived before David. Right? In John 8, Jesus told the Jews before Abraham was born, what did he say? I am. Which is another way of saying I've always existed. 
And lastly here, how, so how will God get this king to us? How will he do it? Well, he tells us here in 2 Samuel 7, because he is an incarnate king. Incarnate. Listen to what he says in verse 14. And this is the key. I will be a father to him. And he will be a son to me. That's what he's saying there. This is the virgin birth. A son. A, how can God have a son? Only if he became a man. Because God is spirit. So really, he's talking about the incarnation here. Luke 1 says that the Holy Spirit came and caused Mary to conceive. In other words, Jesus was God and man in one person. Why is that important? Because he came to rescue sinners. How did he do it? He lived a righteous life. He lived perfect. And he died the penalty of a sinner, a wrathful death by God the Father. And this is all encompassed in that, in that phrase, in that statement. I will be a father to him and he will be a son to me. When you press why, that's what you come up with. That's why he had to be human. He had to have a relationship with God where he was a son to him. So that's the kind of king the Lord prophesied would come. And we remember him. Joy to the world. The Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. Davidic, after the Lord's heart and passionate for the Lord's glory. Humble, promoting God's glory alone. And it's not about being served, but he came to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Sovereign, he came to be anointed king, but not by the people, but by the Father. Eternal, a king that wouldn't die. By the way, that implies his resurrection, doesn't it? It's all there. Incarnate, God's son, able to pay the penalty of man's sins. Last question here that we am with. Are you seeking to be led by a king like that? Hallelujah that we have a king who is worthy, who will never fail, who is eternal, and heaven has received him and given approval of all that he had done on the cross in his resurrection and in his ascension. If you're not being led by a king like that, it's because you're holding on to your sin. You're holding on to you. And I want to give you hope. This Christmas can be different if you would just turn to him. Turn to him. He will forgive you because of Christ's death on the cross. Oh, what a great thought this Christmas day. Well, may this Christmas be devoted for you to the King of Kings. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for Christmas. It is exciting, Lord, to remember how you came and why you came. We love you and praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.